Hi, I'm Dr. April Jasper, and I'm pleased to host today's podcast and continue my conversation with Dr. Amanda Nanasi on how to identify the right candidates for multifocal contact lenses. This podcast is sponsored by Alcon, and Dr. Nanasi has received compensation for her participation. Amanda, it's great to have you back to continue our conversation regarding tips to improve patient and practice success with multifocal contacts. Thanks, April. So let's get started by talking about, you know, not an, instead of starting right out with the ideal multifocal candidate, let's first spend a little bit of time talking about someone who you might not consider to be a candidate for multifocal lenses. Ooh, that's a tricky one. <laughs> I know you're really good, so there aren't many of those, but if there are, and, and I guess really think about it as if you were just getting started fitting multifocal lenses, who would you say maybe wouldn't be your best candidate? All right, that's that's a fair question. So, um, of course, we all have those patients that are like the toughest to please ever. They might they might be tricky ones to start with. Obviously, this is uh, not a lens that corrects uh, large amounts of astigmatism. So you want to maybe um, avoid going, you know, somebody that has excessive amounts of astigmatism. I hate even saying that 0.75 number because I feel everyone kind of sees that and they automatically will write a patient off and maybe not your your best start for those patients. So what do you consider first in your practice when identifying candidates that are good candidates for multifocal lenses? Are they presbyopes? That's pretty much it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If patients have not worn contacts before, that's fine. If someone's been in monovision, to me, those are the funnest because they think that what they have is as good as it gets and it's exciting to, to change their, their whole mindset of what's possible and that they can see like they did before, you know, they, they turned into presbyopes. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a multifocal on most patients. Obviously, irregular corneas, you know, those kind of patients you want to avoid. But in general, the vast majority of your patient base uh, that's, that's even close to 40 would be great for these lenses. Do you consider early presbyopes good candidates as well for multifocal lenses? They are some of the best candidates because it's an easy fit and they're often having visual problems that they did not realize that there was a solution for. So you're coming in and you're the hero with those patients very often. So what about, Amanda, the the idea of patient motivation and attitude? Does it influence your decision at all? Or, um, you know, again, think back to when you first got started fitting multifocal lenses. Did you find it was important to look at uh, patient motivation and their attitude? And how did it or how does it influence your decision on moving forward with multifocal contacts for them? It- it definitely influences my decision. I, I was just thinking, you're asking the question. I'm like, I sound like a bully that's going to get everybody into multifocals. <laughs> but I, I always tell them what I have to offer and make sure that they are in for the journey and they're ready to try it out. You know, and I usually tee it up something like, you know, I have a visual solution that I think is really going to be fantastic for you for X, Y, Z reasons. And it's going to take a little bit more time than if we just did the thing, the, the same things that we've been doing in the years past. But if you're willing to put in the time to try something new out, 
I'm willing to put the time in because I think it's going to be that beneficial to you. And worst case scenario, we go back to what we, we had before, but if you're in for it, let's do it. And, you know, I, I literally wait for them to give me that confirmation, you know, like they're a smile and acknowledgement or the head nod and they say, let's do it, you know? And then, then I know we're on the same page and not that I'm, you know, coercing them into something that they're not wanting to do. So I've heard doctors use the uh, conversation piece that is something along the lines of this uh, multifocal contact lens will provide for X percentage of your visual needs. Do you have any uh, phrase like that that you use? I do. So I like to say that my goal for multifocal contacts is to cover 80% of your visual needs and provide freedom from readers for about 80% of your day. Um, Sometimes if, you know, I know I have a slam dunk, I might even go above 80. uh, (laughs) But that's, that's typically a good safe place for me to to play. And I'll, I'll say, you know, there are going to be times when you have to, you know, read the, the tiniest of writing on a medicine bottle or thread a needle, or, you know, those times you might need to pull out your, your readers. But in general, I think I can get you through the majority of your day without feeling like you have to be strapped to a pair of reading glasses. So tell me what that motivated patient looks like. For example, Someone who comes in and is already telling us, I mean, in, in my office, it happens all the time. And hopefully I'm that way as a patient as well, that patients will come in and they'll be completely honest with me and say, I just want to not have to wear a pair of glasses. I want to look better. And, you know, I mean, we know glasses can look amazing these days, but people want options. So that might be a patient that's motivated. But what other patients, what do they look like? What do they act like? Any, any tips, ideas, things you can share with us? Yeah. So you want to think about people that, you know, want to have convenience and freedom from those, those darn readers or, or any glasses otherwise, actually. Um, some of your patients might just really be motivated and into new technologies and solutions. Uh, you might want those patients that just want to keep that youthful appearance. And I like to use that sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't, look like you're close to the age of 40. And this is a great way for, for you and I to, you know, put up some smoke and mirrors and nobody knows, uh, (laughs) then, um, make sure they know the advantages of the multifocal contact lenses and, um, especially the single use lenses. A lot of times it seems like patients come in and again, I, I hope they will tell us, but it sometimes is difficult for us to, just read them. So we have to ask them questions. What are some other questions you ask them to determine if they might be an ideal candidate? So Amanda, you are a team leader. I love that about you. I've heard you talk about training and how you uh, keep everybody in your office engaged in what you are emphasizing in the practice. I love that. I've learned so much from you. So share with all of us how your team helps you to uh, work together to identify candidates for multifocal contact lenses? Well, I think the first step for any doc that's, that's going to start to educate their team and let them know what they're going to be doing with the patients is they need to know why they're doing it with the patients. And um, we're, we're big on, you know, scripting and, and giving uh, guidelines for what we want 
our patients to hear when they're in the office and how we want to ask questions, but really get them excited about the process. Cause I think that makes such a big difference about how we can, um, you know, create that excitement with our patients. If, you know, every, every team member knows why we're doing what we're, what we're actually going to be doing. So uh, to answer your question specifically, uh, check-in is that first place where we, um, actually before check-in, because when they're, they're making the appointment, I totally stole from you, April, the whole, do you wear glasses and contact lenses? I think that that's a great easy line that you can add to your script if you have it, uh, to where patients know that it's an option. Uh, and then when they actually get there for check-in, you can use that intake uh, form, that check-in tear pad to, again, just kind of plant that seed, get patients thinking about the, the symptoms that they might be experiencing. And hopefully they figure out that if we're asking those questions, we're going to have answers to, to help relieve those symptoms. I love it. And then when they come into the room with a patient, They'll introduce me and uh, they'll actually say to me, Dr. Jasper, Mrs. Rouse is so excited about trying multifocal contact lenses. We've talked all about it. And, you know, at first my team was nervous about that because they thought, what, what happens if they can't wear them? And I told them, don't worry about it because I will determine that. And if for some reason we determine that they're not a candidate, then I will tell them how wonderful they are and how they should send all their family and friends. That's great. I, I love that. And um, to that same point um, of having your technicians kind of offer ideas, uh, think about the time that you spend, you know, in a doctor's office, not not in one of our optometry practices. But, you know, if I just go to my regular doctor and I, I get there and I fill out history forms and I turn it in and then I get there and I talk to, you know, whoever comes in, the medical assistant or the nurse that's asking me a whole bunch of questions. And I'm just, you know, spilling my guts about all my personal, you know, emotional or whatever it is stuff. And they're just kind of like, okay, okay, writing it down or typing it in. And then the doctor comes in and might ask me some of the same questions. And it's frustrating for me. I'm like, I just, I just wrote down my problem. I told someone else that didn't really acknowledge my problem. And now I'm telling the doctor again. And by that point, I'm frustrated. So think about making that experience better for your patient. And you can use these these tools in order to help guide that process. And just the difference between the technician just saying, um, you know, is there a time that you wish you didn't have to wear your glasses? And if they say yes, not just saying, okay, I'm writing that here, but saying, <laughs> wow, you know what? I think Dr. Jasper might have some great solutions for you. And she might talk to you about some multifocal contact lenses and just connect the dots. Cause we, we know what we want the, the patient to get out of this experience, but sometimes you have to make it more obvious and, and let them know that that time with the tech isn't wasted time. Absolutely. Every minute we have with a patient in our practice, I mean, they count those minutes and we certainly should as well. I love that. Great advice. So if we now think about these patients as uh, they come into the practice and we think about patients that have all the right uh, clinical data, meaning so if we, if we look at our patients that come into the practice and we look at their motivation level, and I'm a doctor that's just getting started prescribing multifocal contacts, 
How can you break it down even more to sort of the best chance for success and then those that are good or fair success? Well, you you want to look for the, the best candidates, obviously, to make your job easiest. So those are, like we said, the emerging presbyopes, uh, your patients that are just really easy to please and excited about just even trying new things that you offer. And, you know, if you're a doctor that always has, you know, something new, new technology, uh, sometimes that's what keeps those patients coming back to us, right? So we want to definitely offer it to those patients, um, the, the ones that just are not wanting to look old and they're, you know, having some major emotional come aparts about reading glasses. And uh, obviously, like I said, don't reach for the crazy high astigmats. Keep it in the 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 easy pool to fit. And you said earlier, I heard you say something about even those that are considered good or fair success are not necessarily patients you want to write off, but may not be the the simplest way to go or the easiest way to go at the beginning. Is that what you were trying to say earlier, I think, Amanda? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but those are kind of my favorite patients. Uh, I like the ones that are like, yeah, but, uh, and then it's, it's kind of awesome to, to show them that, look, there is something great for you that you didn't even know was available. So yeah, emotropes, I, I would never shy away from an emotrope with these lenses with other, with other lenses I might, but not with these. Um, some people might shy away from post LASIK patients, but you know, one of one of the people that I present with that does really well in the Alcon lenses and fitting his patients in Alcon lenses, and I'm sure a ton of other doctors are post-LASIK patients themselves. Uh, those unmotivated patients, you know, those are the ones that you you have to let them know that there's a reason to be excited. And, you know, it, as long as you get that buy-in, I, I don't want to have an unmotivated patient that is completely like, I don't want to do this. Obviously I'm, I'm going to give them my pitch and then see if they're on board. And if they are, then now we converted them and now they're a motivated patient. Um, and then those type a people, uh, that are, you know, wanting only the best vision and, uh, they have rigorous visual demands. Those are the ones that I educate and say, previously, I may not have had a lens that I would have been comfortable putting on you because I know that your time is limited. You have high visual demands. And the last thing I want to do is waste your time. But I think that this is worth the effort for both of us. Exactly. So, you know, when you and I have uh, spoken before about multifocal lenses, we've talked about patients as uh, kind of being broken down into a few categories. One of them is the young at heart. And I look at the young at heart and uh, look at those as the, the patient who dreads the idea of wearing glasses. Those are some that are definitely emotional about this whole thing because they, they think that's the only option for them. They lead a busy, active life. They feel eye fatigue after using digital devices. Those, I think, are are great candidates for multifocal lenses. But I've heard you talk about the symptomatic settler. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that patient. Right. So those are the ones that uh, there's a, a huge population of contact lens patients that drop out once they're presbyopes. And um, I, gosh, I actually remember I was on... I was going to say vacation. It was at a conference somewhere, but that's like our vacations that we get. Um, and I was kind of walking behind a group of a family that was just walking down the street 
and they were talking about um, how dad likes to move his contact lens to the side so he can read through it. Oh, I've heard <laughs> and that. I, <laughs> and I want to jump in and be like, ooh, ooh, me, let me explain that. And don't do that. Um, so a lot of people think that that's it. They're like, you know, once, once I need help up close, that's it. We're done with contacts. So those are the ones that we can really, um, obviously help out. Uh, they may not be aware of new technology. Think of all the patients that you have that just have really horrible ocular surfaces. And, you know, they, they tried lenses previously that were materials that just didn't keep their eyes as comfortable as they needed them to be all day. Uh, then you have ones that have tried lenses that the optics weren't good enough. They just weren't clear enough. And we can introduce the new technology to them. And then you, again, have people that just feel old when they're wearing glasses. And, and those are great motivators for patients. Absolutely. Those patients, I tell you what, you fit them in lenses, they come back year after year, and they are just my happiest patients. So, Tell me about the secret sufferer. We've all talked about that patient in the past, but uh, describe that patient to me a little bit and how that patient becomes or really does fit the category of a very motivated multifocal contact lens wear. These patients are the ones that just don't know that there's another another answer. And I think that these are the, these are the patients that are drawn out best by... Um, intake surveys, right? Because if I ask them how they're doing in their contacts, what are they going to say? Uh, these are the patients that, like we said, they just, they don't think that there's a, there's a way to make things better than what they have. So they, they deal with it. You know, they might be wearing glasses when they're working out, when they're playing sports, because like my patient that, you know, thought that she couldn't wear contacts when she worked out because sweat would get in her eyes. Like they, for whatever reason, they don't think that it's an option for them. So when you think of the candidates that we have uh, for contacts, for multifocal contacts, if we broke them down into best potential for success, good potential for success, and fair potential for success, how would you kind of uh, profile that? How would you break that out a little bit so it can be really clear for us to have our best success in practice for our patients? Your, your best are going to be those highly motivated ones that are, are always wanting your new eye care solutions and options that you have, and they want to be free of glasses. Uh, they might be easy to please. They might have new symptoms, uh, so they're not having like horrible headaches, uh, you know, limited signs of eye strain. And, uh, of course, their spherical contact lens wears. Those are truly low-hanging fruit as far as patients that you can make really happy really easily. Yeah, the good potential for success. So maybe not best, but still good. What would that patient look like? A lot of people would say that your monovision correction are good potentials uh, for success. I would probably even say that they're great potentials because, like I said, I, I think these patients are the ones that you can really wow uh, but because a lot of doctors are kind of a little bit nervous about pulling monovision patients out of their, their modality that they've come to love, we'll put them in the good category, uh, emetropes needing vision correction for the first time. 
they're also uh, a good potential for success. Low myopes, plus minus one or below, low astigmats, less than, you know, that 0.75 diopter mark that we kind of look at. These would all be considered good potential for success. And I heard you reference earlier those type A personalities. It's funny, every time I hear that, I don't think that's me, but my name does start with an A, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> but let's go back to the, the patient who we would say has fair potential for success. How would you describe that patient? Like you said, they're your type A personalities, uh, your technical professionals. These are the ones like your engineers even, you know, or that you might put in that really hard to please with glasses uh, category. Astigmats with greater than 0.75 diopters of astigmatism. But like I said, don't write them off because a lot of times... I've even been surprised at some of the amazing results I've had with higher amounts of sill. Uh, also, think about if they've had LASIK surgery before, maybe if their glasses wear, but they've never worn contacts before. Uh, and then if you, you will have your monovision patients that are just not motivated to switch. They like do not want to change. They're happy and that's fine. But my conversation still sounds the same that I think I have something that you'll really like. If you're up for it, we do it. And if not, you know, we can always reconsider it next time. So Amanda, what would your advice be to someone who says, you know, I, I had a patient who would fall into that category of fair potential for success. We decided not to move forward. And then the following year, what would you advise them to uh, be thinking about? Meaning, is that patient not a candidate for the rest of their life? I mean, what, what, would, what should we look at there? I would absolutely bring it up again. You know, um, things may have changed, especially if you have a patient that um, is having symptoms, but they're not having enough symptoms. I'll say if you have someone that's just kind of reaching for the readers here and there, and they're like, ah, you know, I only need them for certain times. But now all of a sudden, you know, it's getting harder to see your phone. It's getting harder to see your watch. Um, things change. So I always want to let my patients know that there's something different for them. There's always options because my worst case scenario is if they hear these options from somewhere else and they, you know, maybe they didn't realize that that's what I was trying to tell them about. I want to be the one that brings them all of their best visual solutions. I agree. You know, I, I listened to you and I remember a patient that came into the practice and uh, she is a physician's assistant. She's post-LASIK and probably would have been one of those in the old days that I wouldn't have even had a conversation with. But I brought it up and I judged her motivation. I gave her the option. I said, what do you think? And I think she even really, if I remember correctly, was a little bit negative attitude wise, just because Everyone else had told her, and she told me this after the fact, everyone else had always told her she is not a candidate. So we put lenses on her, and she came into the uh, um, exam room to say goodbye to me after we went through the whole process, followed the fit guide. She sits down in the exam chair. I walk in, and I look at her, and she doesn't look happy. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> So I asked her straight up, I said, how's it going? And I always go into the exam room for that last moment with them. And I'm excited. I'm happy because I wear the lenses and I think it's fabulous. And so I walk in there. I said, how's it going? And she started crying right oh, there. No. 
she starts crying. And I said, oh, my, is that good crying or bad crying? And she says, Dr. Jasper, nobody has ever let me try multifocal contacts before. And I just want you to know this is amazing. These are going to change my life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's and so, you know, we we're we're here telling everyone that they may not be the patients you want to fit first when you're just getting started. But once you get really comfortable with this, you'll you'll find, like you said earlier, that you don't want to write them off because they also could be the ones that you're really going to be the most impactful in changing their life. Absolutely. So, Amanda, in summary, a big part of success with multifocal contact lenses, as we have discussed, is knowing how to identify the best candidates with the highest likelihood of success. So what are your take-home, last messages, parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with to prepare them for success? Focus on um, some key elements, and you have to figure out what your... um, what your messaging is going to sound like to the patients and make sure you're consistent to where it comes easy. And some things you're going to want to really focus on are your clinical data. You need to really pick candidates that are going to work for you in the beginning. Look at their history. Um, You might even want to share some of your own history as far as how you've been doing with patients. Um, For instance, we talked about difficult patient populations. Um, I have several, uh, pre-presbyopic paralegals and attorneys that, you know, I fit a couple of them in the lenses and they weren't completely blurry. Uh, They were just having visual fatigue at the end of the day. And once I fit one of them and their, their practice, like they just kept sending all of their friends. And, you know, if you have someone that's a difficult patient for whatever reason, and they, they know that they're difficult. Well, you know, I have some astigmatism, like you said, April, they just think that they're not a candidate. Um, share with them that you have solutions and it's worked for other patients that have had some of the same issues. Again, just trying to break down barriers to where they know that they have this option that they should be excited about. Um, think about um, how to get that patient motivated. And I don't really even care as much if they're motivated going into it, as long as I can have them motivated by the time I've talked about what we want to do. To me, I'm I'm in a good place from that point. Uh, Make sure that you utilize your staff um, to help you to set up how you find your best candidates and then complete that follow through what that whole picture looks like. And, um, you know, once you start fitting it, you're just going to fit more and more because they're going to keep referring friends to you. And it's going to be that much easier to have that conversation and, and do the whole process. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nanasi, for sharing your experiences in your practice. And then uh, thank you to Alcon for sponsoring this podcast.